Welcome to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. We'll talk clinical scenarios, interesting Absite facts, and interesting general surgery knowledge. Now, let's get to it. Hi, and welcome back to the Absite Smackdown Podcast. And today, uh, we're here with uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Rachel Barnes. Uh, Dr. Rachel, how are you today? Dr. Barnes, thanks for coming on the program to discuss with us uh, some of the key factors in how we treat adrenal incidentalomas. As you know, this is something we all wrestle with, uh, with the advent of more and more CT scans. Uh, we're seeing more and more of these adrenal lesions, and we sure do appreciate your guidance today on exactly how to proceed when we find uh, these adrenal lesions. So let's get started. The Absite Smackdown Podcast. Visit the Smackdown at AbsiteSmackdown.com. So what we're looking for help with today is how do we proceed with, let's say, a typical trauma patient who uh, comes in uh, after a motor vehicle collision and has uh, one of those full body scans, head, neck, chest, abdomen, and pelvis. And in this case, uh, this 60 plus year old patient has revealed a uh, adrenal lesion. Uh, that the radiologist notes in their report. And the uh, trauma team uh, has invited you as the uh, local practitioner who helps with these adrenal lesions to come take a look at this patient and make some recommendations. How do you proceed? Um, I would go ahead and take a look at the scan or ask about how big this lesion is. Well, in this case, the radiologist has measured it for you. Uh, they make a couple notes for you in there uh, dictation and those include that the lesion in biggest uh, dimension is uh, four centimeters. Uh, it does seem to have different Hounsfeld units in it, and this one's on the right side in the patient's uh, right adrenal gland. Uh, with that in mind, um, what should we do next? Where do we go? How many Hounsfeld units? You know, the radiologist doesn't record exactly uh, how many. It just says that there are differing Hounsfeld units. Is there anything in particular that you, you look for that we should be looking for that may be helpful um, with uh, recording exactly how many Hounsfeld units? Um, if it's less than 10, it would lead me to believe that this might be more of a benign lesion in nature. Greater than 18 might um, sway me the other direction. I'd also want to see if this is more homogenous or heterogeneous looking on appearance as well. And in this case, the radiologist did help you with that. They said it does have a heterogeneous appearance throughout. Uh, but again, they didn't really record those Hounsfeld units. And could you teach us in your practice if the Hounsfeld units are uh, greater than 18, for example, would that definitively tell you this is cancer? And if they're less than 18, would you say, no way is this cancer? I think that it wouldn't give me a definitive answer. I think it would just lead me to believe that it's more likely to be cancer. So then in your practice, uh, what do you look for or what criteria do you use that mostly helps and will help us uh, risk stratify these patients for uh, cancer risk? The size of the lesion, first and foremost, if it's greater than four to six centimeters, um, there is a 6% risk of cancer, and then greater than six centimeters is 25% or more risk for cancer. Well, thanks. So it sounds like size of the lesion uh, is really a tip-off 
uh, and associated with different cancer risks. And we've talked a lot about cancer risk, which is clearly going to be concerning to the patient. But I think what we're interested in in, in terms of workup and uh, how we proceed with this patient is we found a lesion. We may have gotten some clues from imaging about this incidental lesion. What do we do next? Cancer risk stratification, or is there any other move we should make first before we start to think uh, so much about cancer risk? Yes, we need to find out if this is a functional versus non-functional lesion, and that's something that I would work up on an outpatient setting. So for this trauma patient who, let's say, may be admitted 60 years old, uh, you're saying that we probably shouldn't be working them up or for this lesion as an inpatient and that we should try to bridge them to get home, to get a workup as an outpatient? Yes. Okay. What are your thoughts on why? Why shouldn't we just do it while we're there and we have them? Um, because trauma patients have been shown to have a surge of catecholamines in the first 48 to 72 hours after a trauma. So we would have false positive results on the functionality of the lesion. So let's say that uh, we do exactly what you said because you you know just recently given us this talk and we learned so much and we uh, transition the patient to the outpatient setting whether that's skilled nursing facility or wherever they go next. Um, uh, you'd want them to follow up with you in the office. Yes. Okay. About how long do you normally choose to wait after they've been, you know, just recently in this traumatic event before we work before we get them back to work them up. Uh, a few weeks afterwards. Okay. So about two to four weeks later, they come back to your office and you see and evaluate them. Um, what do you look for in the office and what do you send to try to get at whether this lesion is functional? The Absite Smackdown Podcast, bringing you the best for your Absite review. So for functionality, um, we would need to rule out um, pheochromocytoma, uh, Kahn syndrome, or Cushing's. And so I would order appropriate labs um, for each of those three. So plasma metanephrines, um, plasma aldosterone to renin um, activity concentration, um, or a overnight dexamethasone suppression test would be a good place to start. Are there any clues you take from history and physical uh, that may or, or may not uh, help you as you go to send these labs? Labs take a while to come back, et cetera. So are there any hints that you can take from the patient's history or exam that may point you down one road or another regarding functionality? Sure. We could look at Cushingoid appearance, um, which we are well familiar with um, that syndrome. Um, we could look and see, um, do they have hypertension already? Are they already on hypertensive medications? Um, those would probably be some good clues to start with. Well, great. So in line with your recommendation, we'll, we'll go ahead and get those labs. And how long do those typically take to come back to you? One to two weeks. By the time they not only get done, patient gets them drawn, but they get to your office. And that's, in, in my more limited experience, that's what I've seen. These take some time to come back. Is there anything we should be doing with these patients in the meantime uh, to, um, uh, that, that may help us as we get down the line uh, with these lesions? 
The Absite Smackdown podcast is based on the best-selling review book, Absite Smackdown. The only Absite review with an entire video review course included. Visit AbsiteSmackdown.com and pick it up today. So addressing their medical issues uh, sounds valuable. And, you know, I agree with you that uh, we may end up with these patients in the OR, uh, whether functional or not. So just as you said, I think it makes sense to start to prepare them or think about the fact that they may end up in the OR with us, depending on size of the lesion and functionality. So, okay. Um, in this case, patient comes back in about two weeks and their tests for functionality are all negative. Um, how should we proceed? So we could, with the size being four centimeters, we could talk with the patient and determine whether they want to do some serial observation or um, proceed with um, going, going through with an adrenalectomy. So what size lesion did your radiologist dictate in this case? Four centimeters. Okay, about four centimeters in greatest dimension. Thanks for reminding me. And your recommendation based on that was either yeah either procedure or perhaps watchful waiting how do you feel that laparoscopic procedures have influenced this threshold for non-functional uh, lesions um, do we take out maybe bigger lesions than we otherwise would smaller lesions than we otherwise would as laparoscopy gets to be more and more um, used uh, for this procedure i would say we are taking out the smaller lesions more yeah with laparoscopy as an option for this patient, if it is one, um, would that influence your discussion with them at all, or um, how would that influence decision-making in a case like this, 60-plus years old, uh, and has a small lesion not functional? If we continue watchful waiting and the size of the lesion does increase, it would lean more towards an open procedure. The Absite Smackdown Podcast. Visit the Smackdown at AbsiteSmackdown.com. So, Dr. Barnes, in your practice, with laparoscopy being more and more popular across the country, how has that influenced um, the size lesion uh, that you would uh, consider amenable for non-functional lesions uh, to excision? What, what has laparoscopy done to practice that you've seen for these non-functional adrenal lesions? So with laparoscopic procedures, um, it would lean me more towards taking out um, smaller lesions um, without hesitation. Yeah, smaller than the previous, you know, six, four to six centimeter lesions that used to be the threshold. That's what we've seen. And I'm curious also in your practice, um, when it comes to these lesions, does whether the lesion is contained in the adrenal affect your choice maybe of one type of procedure versus another? If it expands beyond the adrenal, I would lean more towards an open procedure. Well, in this case, uh, this patient does have that approximately four centimeter lesion and it's uh, contained in the adrenal. And as you said, you do have a discussion with him about risks versus benefits of surgical intervention. Um, let's say in this case, th this patient says, well, doc, it sounds like the laparoscopic procedure is great nowadays. And, uh, you know, you said this, the cancer risk for this lesion is not zero. And I'm really pretty worried about it. I'd like to have it out. Um, 
How should we proceed? Or how would you proceed? I would proceed with the laparoscopic adrenalectomy. Anything you would do with this type of patient uh, first, just to prepare them for the OR, make sure they're going to be okay to go? Well, it's a non-functional lesion, so I would just make sure that they're medically optimized otherwise. Okay. And in this type of 60-plus-year-old patient who uh, may need some medical optimization, what would that what would that mean to you? What would that entail for this age group patient? Um, EKG, chest x-ray, um, um, blood sugar control, control of their hypertension if they have it. So it sounds like routine... Uh, age-based but focused um, uh, interventions to optimize Uh, and I I know that's sort of a sweeping generality we don't just do labs just to do labs ever uh, nowadays especially but we do uh, typically do focused interventions for older patients to try to optimize their outcomes so in this age group can you just list for me some of the typical comorbid conditions they may have that you may see in this gentleman uh, that typically need to be optimized just so we can Uh, focus on that a bit uh, for these older patients with adrenal lesions. Sure. Um, Obviously, it would be hypertension and diabetes. Um, You could also consider their smoking status. The Absite Smackdown Podcast, bringing you the best for your Absite review. So, Dr. Barnes, when we do these procedures, and... uh, We've selected the patient for adrenalectomy. Uh, they've come to see us. We've made sure the lesion is not uh, functional. And we're doing this just for the size of the lesion. Do you have any tips for us, uh, maybe at a high level, for how we should proceed with a laparoscopic adrenalectomy uh, for these patients? So patient selection, um, patient positioning for the procedure um, to get adequate exposure, um, prep, the prep area for the procedure? All key, for Mm -hmm. sure. Uh, And I think you're right. Those are all important considerations for how we proceed with this. So let's pretend we have an uneventful adrenalectomy, uh, one of your routine excellent ones. What what considerations should we be focused on for post-op care uh, for our patients with um, laparoscopic adrenal excision? Probably some routine post-op care, um, you know, monitor the incisions, um, monitor for bleeding, hemodynamic stability. Any recommendations for diet or ambulation in these patients? Um, yes, early ambulation. Okay, and how about uh, diet and any other recommendations? Okay to start a normal diet. As, as soon as possible once they've, okay. Some, some weight on signs for bowel function, even though this is not a, a, bowel's not involved and there's no anastomosis. So recommendations vary, but it sounds like you're saying uh, allow them to advance their diet as tolerated as they tolerate it toward a routine diet. Yes. Okay. Well, Dr. Barnes, thanks so much for your uh, recommendations today. We appreciate the time with you. And uh, we look forward to you coming back on the show to kind of educate us on another procedure uh, that you typically see in your practice. But thanks so much for this today. Any parting comments or recommendations for us as we get out there and find uh, patients with adrenal lesions? Alpha before beta. (laughs) Alpha before beta. And by that, you mean the blockade uh, that you see when you have a functional lesion with a video? I think that's a great recommendation. And thanks for your time today. 
Thanks for listening to the Absite Smackdown podcast. Visit us at absitesmackdown.com for more great Absite facts.